Hello and welcome to the sermon podcast of Landmark Baptist Church, New Hampshire. I pray that this message will be a blessing to you today. John chapter 14, verse number one says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And this is Jesus speaking here specifically. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. I want to speak on the subject of help for a troubled heart. Help for a troubled heart. Jesus Christ here in context of this passage is in an upper room with his closest disciples, the apostles. He had instituted the Lord's Supper as they took the Passover meal. He instituted the Lord's Supper acknowledging his his, his body broken and crucified for them and his blood shed. We find that out in John chapter 13. Therein in John chapter 13 we read that Jesus washes his disciples' feet as an example to them of serving one another and Jesus discloses that one will betray him, one that was at the table with him. Of course, we know that was Judas. By the time we get to chapter 14 here, Judas Iscariot, the treasurer and the traitor, went out to carry out his betrayal. And Jesus began to teach the remaining 11 apostles further concerning what is to come and what they should expect. Jesus would, sh- would soon, from this point on, be betrayed, arrested, wrongly accused, tortured, and then ultimately crucified on a cross for the sins of the world. To provide encouragement and help, Jesus uh, let, lets his followers know that there's a future that's worth waiting for and a future that's worth living for. He says in verse number one, we read, let not your heart be troubled. And he tells them why they shouldn't be troubled. He gave them help for a troubled heart. Evidently, they were perplexed and perhaps troubled about what was G- Jesus was saying as he was explaining these things beforehand to them. And Perhaps even the spirit of Jesus concerned them as he talked about these things. And so Jesus gives them help for a troubled heart. Ladies and gentlemen, we can look around today and see there's much that can trouble us. Amen? Do you live in this world? Do you live in this country? There's a lot that can trouble you. Uh, There's a lot that perhaps you're troubled about this morning. There's plenty that can weigh our hearts down and burden our lives. Today we have much confusion and doubt and fear and disturbances that will overwhelm you if you allow them to. But Jesus, Jesus has help for troubled hearts. If your heart is troubled this morning or if it has ever been, and I'm sure it has, and maybe perhaps it will be, then can I encourage you to please take take to heart the words of Jesus here. This morning, notice why we don't have to let our hearts be troubled. If Jesus says that, then we don't have to. If Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, then he has an an answer for troubled hearts. And he has help for those who are troubled even today. Say, but this was written way back then in the first century. It's, It's just as applicable today in the 21st century. It's just as relevant as the word of God has been inspired and preserved for our generation. It's just as relevant today as if Jesus was saying to you and to me, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Why shouldn't we let our heart be troubled? Number one, because there is a God. Because there is a God. Verse number one, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me, or excuse me, you believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Why did Jesus say that? Because Jesus is God. 
In John chapter 14, verse 7 through 9, it says, Jesus says, If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Then Philip, uh, one who was following him, said, uh, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. In other words, we want to see him. We want to see God. We want to see God the Father. Jesus saith unto him in verse 9, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Oh, listen, we can know that there's a God who is personal, who has created us, who is interested in us, who loves us, and who died for our salvation. Jesus is the express image of the invisible God, the Bible tells us. Isn't that a wonderful way to put it? And a God has a way of putting things, doesn't he? I believe that's in Colossians where he says he's the express image of the invisible God. There is a God. You may say, well, prove that there is a God. Really, I don't feel I have to prove it because creation proves it. The Bible proves it. Jesus, God in the flesh, proves it. Lives changed by this God proves it. Let me give you some verses that tell us some of these things. In Psalm 19, 1 through 3, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. You can't look up to the heavens. You can't look up to the sky. You can't look around you at creation and not see that someone created this. It didn't just all of a sudden come together. Someone created it. You can't help but see the glory of God and all of creation and just look at the human body and the complexity of it. And you can't help but see how does this all work together? How, how can I walk and talk and move my hands? How can all that happen? Because God created. Because of God. He knows how the human body goes. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. In other words, everywhere, no matter what language, no matter what location, they can look at creation, and they can look at what God has done and see there is a God. In Genesis 1.1, it plainly declares God by saying, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible starts off. Of course, just supposing and acknowledging that there is a God, not trying to explain God, but just declaring that there is a God. And can I say, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Because there's a God. If there wasn't a God, I'd be troubled. If, man, I was just an accident that happened to show up in the process of evolution, well, here we are. If that was the case and there wasn't a God, uh, I, would have not, I wouldn't have much hope, certainly not for the future. And I would be troubled at everything I see. And I would be troubled at the trials I face. And I would be troubled about our world. But Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Because there is a God. In Romans 1, 18 through 21, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Without excuse of seeing and acknowledging and seeing around them that there is a creator, there is a God. 
Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. And we learn they worshiped the creature more than the creator. Certainly creation's enough to help us to see that there's a God, but we need the word of God, the Bible, which God has preserved for us and for everyone so that we can see how we can know that God. And we'll learn about that as we go along here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Say, what's that verse for? That shows when someone uh, uh, understands God's plan of salvation for the world and puts their faith in Jesus Christ, and God comes and lives within them by his spirit, there's a changed life that you can't explain other than it's God. You could say, well, they just bettered themselves, but usually when you try to better yourself, it doesn't last very long because we easily just go back to our default positions. But no, when God changes you, he makes you a new creature, and he does something in you that's beyond understanding. I'm just saying this morning that there is a God. There is a God, and I know I'm talking to probably many, if not most, that believe there's a God, but it's good to remember that. When we think we're all alone in this world, it's good to remember that when our hearts get overwhelmed, it's good to remember that when we feel troubled by what's to come, as God has declared it, to understand, hey, don't forget there's a God in heaven, there's a God who knows all things, there's a God who controls all things, there's a God uh, who's doing just fine as we're troubled down here. There is a God. He's the creator, he's the sustainer, he's the deliverer, he's the savior. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is one God and the only true God. He's God. Let not your heart be troubled, for there's a God. But we also notice as Jesus was talking to his disciples, and no doubt as he was explaining some things that were going to happen, he was going to be betrayed. He was going somewhere that they're not going to be able to come, uh, uh, certainly not right away, and he was going to face uncertain death. And even though they didn't understand all that, I imagine Jesus said it because their hearts were troubled, and he knew their hearts would be troubled, and he knew that us today in 2021 would have troubled hearts. And so he said, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because there's a God, but secondly, because there's a heaven. There's a heaven. Verse number two. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. There's a heaven. Jesus says there's mansions in his Father's house. The place God resides and we can go one day is a place the Bible often calls, he calls heaven. And that's beyond the, the first and second heavens of the sky and space. It's beyond uh, uh, that and in a place uh, never explored by man on earth but enjoyed by believing men who had passed from this life. Heaven. Heaven is a real place, just like hell is a real place. We like to talk about heaven and perhaps not about hell, but hell is just as real as heaven. Hell wasn't prepared and wasn't uh, created for you and I, per se. It's created for the devil and his angels, the Bible said, but those who reject Christ will go there. But there is a heaven that can bring some hope and some help to us, if we understand what Jesus did for us, there is a heaven. In heaven, there is no sorrow, there's no death, there's no pain, there's no tears, there's no parting, and praise the Lord, there's no sin. We are told that we can know we are going there, right? We don't have to just guess. Many people in religion today, uh, if you'd ask them, are you going to heaven? They may say, I hope so. 
But God doesn't want us to hope so. He wants us to know so. And he tells us what we need to do so we can know so. We are told we can know we're going there. And by the way, just a little hint, it's not based on us. We can't get there ourselves. We need a ticket, amen? And it's only one ticket, one way. And we'll talk about that in a second. And it's only one way, too. <laughs> we are told that we can know we're going there. We're instructed to lay up treasures there in heaven. We're supposed to set our affection on things there. And we should be longing to go there when it's our time. Hebrews 11, 11, 16 says, but now they desire, and speaking of Old Testament believers, now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Right? They, they desired that better country. It's okay to, to love your country here on earth. It's okay to realize this is where we live for really relatively a short time compared to eternity. But there's a better country. There's a better country we can go to. There's a better country where God is. There's a better country that is being prepared for those who put their faith in his son Jesus. There's a better country awaiting. Are you going to that country? Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation, and that is the idea of where we're from and where we're going, our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 6, 19 and 20, it reminds us to lay up for yourselves treasures, or excuse me, to lay not up for yourselves first treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth, moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. It means that's where our attention ought to be. What can I do in this life? That'll bring treasures and rewards in the next life, and specifically for heaven's sake. Praise the Lord that there's something better than this present life, and that is the future we can have in heaven if we make Jesus our Savior. Let not your heart be troubled because there's a God. Let not your heart be troubled because there's a place where God is, where Jesus is preparing a place for us, and that's called heaven. Do you know you're going to heaven? Can I ask, if you die today, are you 100% sure that you go to heaven? Not 50%, not 80%. I was talking to someone the other day and asked them if they're sure they're going to heaven. Are you 100% sure? And they said, well, not 100%. If you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven, then you're not going to heaven. Because your, your, your entrance into heaven isn't based on you. It's based on believing in what Christ has already done for us. And if you haven't put your faith in him, you will not go to heaven. Listen, there's, there's a heaven. Our heart doesn't have to be troubled. I know this life can get bad sometimes. I know perhaps maybe you're going through a rough patch now. Uh, I know that uh, maybe you don't have a mansion on earth. Maybe you have just a little shack or maybe you have an apartment or, or maybe you don't have much now. But realize that one day uh, when it's our time, God will take us to heaven and we'll have a mansion. We'll have golden streets. We'll be free from all that would harm or hurt us and we'll be in the presence of God forever. And we can look forward to heaven. In fact, God wants us to look forward to heaven. Let not your heart be troubled because there's a God. Let your not heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled because there's a heaven. But also let not your heart be troubled because there's hope. Look at verse number three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus says, I will come again and receive you 
unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, in the way you know. We see we, our hearts don't have to be troubled because there is hope. What a hope we see here. Here it is. Jesus says that where I am, there you may be also. I want to be where Jesus is. I don't ever want to be separated from my Lord and Master. I want to stay close by my shepherd, don't you? And for him to say, hey, where I am, there you'll be as well, should be some great hope and peace and comfort to your heart. To know that no matter what happens to us in this life, He'll walk side by side with us. He'll lead us and guide us. We have his spirit within us. And, and when we leave this life and continue on to eternity, we'll be where he is and we'll not be separated from him. He says he's preparing a place for me. What hope? To know that he's preparing a place for you. To know that he has you in mind and that there's a place for you in heaven, a place reserved for you. What hope that is. What hope to say, listen, you can't say, well, uh, I'm on my deathbed. I don't have much time left. I hope, I hope there's a place for me in heaven. You don't have to say that. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he says, I'm preparing a place for you. There will be a place. And uh, the Lord's always kept his word. He says he's coming again. What hope to know. And as he's talking to his Disciples, no doubt, as he's talking about things to come, and, and they don't realize the full import of what he's saying at this time, but one day when he ascends into heaven, uh, it'll be repeated again, but he's telling them just directly, listen, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back. And we still have that promise today that one day he's coming back, and one day he's coming for his. And what great comfort and hope and knowing that no matter what happens, Either we'll die and be in his presence, or if we're still alive, he'll come and we'll be taken with him. He says, where I am, there you may be also. Here's the gist of it. Jesus won't forget about us. Jesus won't forget about us. Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament under God's inspiration, he had this hope when he wrote these things. He wrote, therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. He said, I, I know what it means to leave this life, and I'd rather be with Jesus. And, of course, he, uh, he also says it's more needful for me to stay at this point as long as God would have me. And, and listen, there's no rush to get there. Uh, but when it's God's timing, uh, certainly we can rejoice in the fact that we'll be with him for all eternity. In the meantime, we just work for him and serve him and glorify him and anticipate heaven all the while until we go. Also, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1, 21 and 24, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But it, why, why would die be gain? You'd think, oh, my life's over, everything's done. No, your life just begins. Or rather, I could say your life continues for eternity. And Paul said, listen, to live is Christ, all about him, and to die is gain because he gets to be with Christ. That faith is turned to sight. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not, for I am in a strait betwixt two. In other words, he's kind of torn between two things having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. 
He says, I, I know I still have a mission. I, I know I still have a purpose here. But I know it's far better. And can I say that anyone we know who's, who's a passed away in the Lord, it's far better for them where they are now than being left behind where we are today. And I'm grateful I can think of my loved ones, and today's my dad's birthday, and, and I can think of him now. He's far better where he is now than if he was here today. But a joy that is not only to, to you if you're still living here on earth, but thinking of those who have gone ahead. It's far better. See, God will keep you here. Uh, certainly, as long as you, he needs you to, as long as we have a purpose. And can I say, if you're alive this morning, and I think as I look around, everybody's alive. If not, let us know. If you're still alive here, guess what? You still have a purpose. There's still a need for you. God wants to use your life and to do his great purpose with it. And God wants to fulfill his will through you. So don't stop, don't give up and say, and just wait to die. Hey, listen, realize God has a purpose for me. I need to live it out until he takes me home. Which is far better for the Christian, certainly. But it's more needful for you now that you do what God wants you to. You see, for a follower of Christ, there is no need to be afraid of death. And I understand sometimes we may be afraid of how we're going to die. We shouldn't be afraid of death. Because when the door of, in this life in Christ closes, it opens the door to eternal life with Christ in heaven. It's just a continuation. See, he's there, and we're with Christ from the moment of salvation to forever. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life presently. And it never stops. It continues on from the moment you're saved all the way in heaven for all eternity. There's hope. There's a God. There's a heaven. There's hope. Live in a world where hope is seeming to be lost. But we put the hope in the wrong things. But there's hope with the Lord. But fourthly, there's a way. There is a way. Verse number five. Thomas, one of his disciples saith unto him after he says uh, where I am there you'll be also whither I go you know and the way you know you guys know what the way is Thomas said unto him Lord we know not whither thou goest and of course he's just thinking earthly he's thinking how, how do we know where you're going Thomas saith unto him Lord we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way that's a good question perhaps that, that's your question this morning or perhaps someone would ask you that question. How can we know the way? Jesus clears it up. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Many people want to know God. Many people want to know how to go to heaven. Many people want hope. And they're searching for the way to get all of that. The Bible tells us that the way is Jesus Christ. Many people are searching today, how can, I, how can I have a relationship with God? How can I go to heaven? And, and what's that all about? How can I have hope in, in a hopeless world? Uh, how, they want to know that. And the Bible says, Jesus says, very pointedly, I am the way. You can't get to God. You can't get to heaven. You can't have hope without Jesus. No man comes to God the Father or enters into heaven or possesses real hope apart, apart from the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know the way of Jesus? By what John 14, 1 says, 
believe in me. You believe in God, Jesus said, believe also in me. He spells it out for us. He makes it clear all through the scriptures that the way to get to God the Father, the way to be forgiven of sin, the way to know you're going to heaven, the way to have life on earth with purpose and peace and joy is through Jesus. Jesus didn't say, Jesus didn't say that man's religion is the way. Thomas said, how do we know where you're going? What's the way? He said, religion's the way. He didn't say that. He didn't say good works are the way. He didn't say giving to others is the way. He didn't say your family heritage is the way. Jesus is the way, and believing on him for forgiveness of and salvation from sin is the only way. I know we don't like to hear that today because people like to think, well, there's many ways to get to God. There's many ways to get to heaven, and there's not. It's very clear if we believe the Bible. If we believe the Bible is God's word, there's only one way. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that's believing, in that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I know we want to, many want to work their way there. They want to do and think if they do enough, then God will accept them. The good works will outweigh the bad works, but no, Jesus' work is the only work that we need to accept and believe in in order to be in heaven. And that's a finished work. He said, it is finished. He died on a cross. He shed his blood for your sin and for my sin. He was put in the tomb. And then he rose three days later, proving his power over hell and death and his, his ability to give forgiveness of sins and to take us to heaven one day. That's the gospel. It's the only way. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no, none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's the only one we need to get through to God is through Jesus. We don't have to go through anybody else but Jesus. Can I ask you this morning, do you have the way, the truth, and the life? Have you believed on Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? If not today, you can acknowledge your sin before a holy God and call upon Jesus to save you, believing that he did die, was buried, and rose again. He is the way. If you do know Jesus personally as your Savior, then your heart does not need to be troubled. Though there's much to trouble it, though there's much to trouble it, it doesn't have to be troubled. Jesus said, and he told us, he instructed, and, and, and dare I say, commanded us, let not your heart be troubled. 